everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast, Thriving in Chaos. Today, we are talking about how to read nutrition labels and what they really mean. Um, but first off, I want to start off with my weekly recap of interesting things. So I haven't actually recorded a podcast in like two weeks, so sorry about that, but I have quite a bit of catching up to do on my life. Last weekend, I went to the beach with my friend and we had a photo shoot so that was a really good time. I also pulled an all-nighter. Um, that was my first all-nighter ever and it's actually surprisingly pretty easy. Like I was kind of shocked and I honestly don't really know what else I've been up to to be honest. Um, every day kind of blends together. Um, we had our neighbors over yesterday for like a cookout thing. Oh, and it was like 80 degrees on Friday. So I spent a lot of time outside and we got ice cream. So that was really yummy. And yeah, that's about it. Yep. But yeah, that sounds so sad. But I just, we haven't really been doing that much, you know? I'm sure you guys can relate as well. But yeah, let's just jump into today's podcast. I think one of the biggest myths in the health and fitness community is that you have to train and work out so super hard to see results and it literally just heals me. I always try to remind people that abs are made in the kitchen and that you can't out-train a bad diet. I feel like it's so important to stress this because people hit the gym hard and wonder why they aren't seeing the results they want and it's because they aren't fueling their body correctly. You probably don't know this but I have the biggest sweet tooth and I'm a huge advocate for intuitive eating and everything is good in moderation but I can't ignore the fact that unhealthy, sugary, fatty, salty foods just aren't that good for you. I try to maintain like a 90% healthy and 10% treat ratio and when I do have treats, I try to keep them on the healthier side, but I'm not always too good about that. And that's what we're talking about today. How to read food labels, what they really mean, and how to pick out the healthiest version of foods. I want to start off by saying that if anything I say intrigues you and you want to learn more, there's a really good podcast out there called Food Labels Revealed that goes into way more depth than I ever could. So if anything I say intrigues you, definitely check out that podcast. But yeah, let's start off with the top of the nutrition label, the serving size and servings per container. So the serving size is how they base the calorie count. So let's say the serving size is three quarters a cup and there's 150 calories per serving. So if you ate two servings, you would be eating a total of 300 calories. I think it's also important to note that if you double the serving size or even triple, you have to remember to triple the rest of the nutrition information, not just the calories, but we'll get more into that later. And the servings per container just tells you roughly how much food there is. So say the serving size is one cup and there's eight servings per container, that would mean there's about eight cups in the package. You also have to be aware with packages that appear to be one serving like a bag of chips because typically there's way more than one serving per container. Like if you stop at the gas station and get like a bag of pretzels, there's probably two, two and a half, three servings in that, but you can easily eat the entire bag while you're driving. It's also important to know if you're comparing different brands, let's say yogurt, to pay attention to the serving size because one could have a serving size of one cup and one could have a serving size of three quarters of cup. Moving down the nutrition label, we have calories and calories from fat. This is typically where people stop when they're looking at nutrition labels, especially people trying to lose weight because all they care about is calories in versus calories out, which is so bad because the macronutrient breakdown is just as important as everything else 
And yes, I am guilty of this, sadly, but this is before I really understood nutrition and nutrition labels, and that's why I'm telling you guys, because uh, I feel like the food industry just kind of tries to like hide all of this information because they just want you to keep consuming. Like I said before, the calories and calories from fat are based on the serving size, so if you eat three servings, you're also eating three times the amount of calories. It's also very important to note that the FDA allows up to a 20% margin of error for both nutrition labels and when you go out to eat. So you may be thinking you're only consuming 200 calories when in reality you could be eating closer to 240. So just be aware of this if you are counting calories that the calorie count is probably on the lower side because of marketing strategies in the food industry. Another thing to be aware of just in general is that companies only have to have something over 0.5 grams in order for it to be included. So there could be 0.4 grams trans fat per serving in a food but it could go unlabeled because it's under 0.5 grams. Moving down to the macronutrients, which if you don't know what those are, they're fat, carbs, and protein. First off, we have total fat and percentage of recommended daily intake. Another thing you have to be aware of while looking at nutrition labels is that they are typically based on a diet of someone that eats 2,000 calories a day. This is important because if you're trying to lose weight and you're eating only, let's say, 1,500 calories, their percentages would change for you because you're consuming less food. So let's say there's eight grams of fat in the food you're eating and the percentage is 12%. This means per serving, you're consuming 12% of your daily fat for the day. But if you eat two servings, that's 24%. And if you're eating less than 2000 calories, it's more than 12% for you. I also want to acknowledge that some people may be keto or like less fat or more carbs, so these percentages wouldn't completely apply to you, but it's a good way to judge if a food has a lot of one thing. I feel like I also need to stress the fact that fat isn't bad for you. You need a healthy ratio of all macronutrients every day. With that said, there's definitely unhealthy and healthy sources of fat. Healthy examples would be like nuts, avocado, salmon, coconut, and olive oil. Unhealthy examples are foods that are highly processed like butter, chips, and fried food. Moving into the breakdown of fats, there's four types listed on nutrition labels. Saturated, trans, polyunsaturated, and monounsaturated. However, most of the packaged foods you'll be buying only list saturated and trans fat because they are deemed most important, but don't worry, the other two types of fats are typically healthy plant-based fat. If you're wondering why the breakdown of fats doesn't add up to the total amount, this is why. Omega-3 fatty acids and omega-6 fatty acids are also never listed on nutrition labels. Starting off with saturated fats, contrary to popular belief, they actually aren't that bad for you, but definitely not the best either. Examples of foods high in saturated fat include cheese, whole milk, butter, and coconut oil. Moving on to trans fat, we really want to avoid these. Trans fat is linked to heart disease and other medical conditions. Foods high in trans fat include fried food, cake, and pastries. If you see ingredients such as partially hydrogenated oil or just hydrogenated oil, like fully hydrogenated oil, it most likely contains trans fat. Next, we have polyunsaturated fat. These can help you maintain healthy cholesterol levels and provide fatty acids. Foods high in polyunsaturated fat include oily fish, flaxseed, sunflower seeds, and walnuts. And lastly, we have monounsaturated fat. These can also help maintain healthy cholesterol levels, and foods high in monounsaturated fats are foods like avocado, olive oil, almonds, cashews, and peanuts. Next, we have cholesterol. It's important to remember, again, the percentages are based on one serving for a 2,000 calorie diet. If you have high cholesterol, the percentages would probably be different for you because you're probably trying to avoid cholesterol, 
but generally I don't think cholesterol is one that we really have to pay that close attention to, but I could be wrong. Moving down the label, we have sodium. The percent daily value for salt is based on 2,300 milligrams of salt a day. So they're assuming that the average person shouldn't consume more than 2,300 milligrams of salt a day. Foods that are really high in sodium include packaged ramen, soy sauce, canned soup, and tomato sauce. It's also important to remember that sodium causes you to hold on to water more, which leads to bloating. So if you're trying to lose belly fat, try to cut down on sodium to maximize your results. A good rule of thumb for determining if something is low in sodium is that if it's under 140 milligrams, and this applies to all foods. Then we have our next macronutrient, total carbohydrates. Carbs are foods like bread, grains, fibers, and sugars. Again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but the percentages are based on one serving for a 2,000 calorie diet. Moving into the breakdown of carbs, we have dietary fiber, total sugars, and added sugars. Having a good amount of dietary fiber is good for you because it helps with digestion, feeling satisfied, relieving constipation, maintaining a healthy weight, lowering risk of diabetes, heart disease, and some other types of cancer. Foods high in dietary fiber include apples with the skin on, raspberries, oatmeal, black beans, lentils, dates, and carrots. Next is sugar, and like trans fat, they have been linked to serious medical conditions. Notice how there's no percentage next to sugars? This is because there's no daily recommended value to help protect the food industry so we continue to consume their products. How messed up is that? I know, it's crazy. It's also important to note what kind of carbs you're consuming. If the food is high in carbs but low in dietary fiber, even though the carbs aren't labeled as sugar, they operate similarly in the bloodstream. These are called simple carbs. Simple carbs are foods like white bread, pasta, candy, and fruit juice. And lastly, there's added sugars, and I'm pretty sure you can tell what these are based on the name. Added sugars are sugar carbohydrates added to food and beverages during their production and have no nutritional value indicating empty calories. Added sugar can hide under names like brown sugar, corn sweetener, corn syrup, dextrose, fructose, glucose, high fructose corn syrup, honey, lactose, malt syrup, maltose, molasses, raw sugar, and sucrose. So basically any of the oses. So it's important to look for these in ingredient lists because sugar can hide under fungi wacky names. Lastly, we have our final macronutrient, protein. Knowing that foods high in protein lead to better satisfaction and promote lean muscle tissue, you'll probably want most of your food to have an adequate amount of protein in it. And at the very bottom, we have vitamins. This may seem kind of strange, but you should just ignore these. The numbers are going to be very low, and it's way more important to get your vitamins from lots of fruits and veggies than to worry about the breakdown of your store-bought foods. And at the very bottom or the side, we have ingredients. And I'm pretty sure most people by now have heard that the less ingredients, the better. And if you can't pronounce it, it's probably not good for you. This is because the less ingredients, the less processed the food typically is. It's also very important to know that the order of the ingredients matters a lot. The first ingredient is the main ingredient, and the further down the list you go, the less of that ingredient there is. So if, for example, if we look at the peanut butter chocolate chip Lara bar, it has four ingredients and four grams of added sugar. The first ingredient is dates, which means the food is mainly made from dates. The next is peanuts, then chocolate chips, which is where the added sugar comes from, then sea salt. Now, if we look at Cliff Bars, the chocolate chip flavor has 19 ingredients and 21 grams of added sugar. Looking at the first four ingredients, we have brown rice syrup, rolled oats, 
soy protein isolate, and cane syrup. Now, if this doesn't raise any red flags to you, then I don't know what would. The first ingredient is literally sweetener and so is the fourth. So just note that sugar and fat try to hide under different names and it's so important to take a peek at the ingredients list. So that is the end of the nutrition label and I thought it would be interesting to go over some of the most popular store-bought foods and figure out which brands are best for us and which ones to avoid based on the nutrition label and the ingredients list. Starting off with bread, probably the most popular food like ever, the best bread and the one I personally get is sprouted whole grain bread. I get the brand Food for Life and you can find this in the freezer section. It's typically called like Ezekiel 4-9 bread and Already, this tells me that it's natural because it's kept in the freezer to stay good instead of having heaps of preservatives to stay good. When you're reading the ingredients list, it's very important to look for the words whole grain. This means the grain is still intact and hasn't been processed. Whole grains have also been found to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and even assist weight management and weight loss. Now looking at the worst bread for you, white bread. Now, in my opinion, homemade or bakery bread doesn't count because obviously there's no preservatives and it's homemade, which beats everything. But again, this is my personal opinion, so take it with a grain of salt because I'm not a registered dietitian. Whatever white bread is, it's definitely not whole grain and offers none of the same health benefits. There's also less fiber and less nutritional benefits. So yes, it is yummy, but it's not really doing any good for you. Next, let's talk about pasta. A staple in my family and probably in yours too. Literally one of my favorite foods ever. And the best pasta in the pasta I'm trying to switch to is anything made from legumes. So chickpea pasta or lentil pasta. Brilla makes a really good chickpea and red lentil pasta that's literally only made from chickpeas and red lentils. You seriously can't beat one ingredient. Also, I don't know if I made that clear, but chickpea pasta is one pasta and red lentil pasta is another, not chickpea and red lentil pasta. Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's also a ton of other brands that make similar pastas like Bonza. I wasn't a huge fan of Bonza. The texture was kind of weird. Maybe I overcooked it a little bit, but I definitely like the Barilla one more. And there's also brands like Modern Table, Tolerant, and Ancient Harvest. So just, I guess, try them all out and see which one you like the most. Now for the worst pasta which is pretty much any of your typical pasta. I know I'm like ruining all of your favorite foods, but yeah, basically your any typical pasta. Again, they are super, super tasty, don't get me wrong, but they just don't offer any nutritional value and that's kind of the point of eating, right? Now let's talk about one of my favorite foods in the entire world, peanut butter, yum, yum, yum. The brand I get is Teddy's All Natural Peanut Butter, and the thing I like about this is that the only ingredients are peanuts and salt. Like seriously guys, two ingredients. For nut butters, my typical rule of thumb is only two ingredients, like I said, um, the nut and salt. With nut butters like this, they will separate, which is a good sign. This means there's no added preservatives to keep them buttery smooth. So any nut butter with just the nut and salt gets the okay from me. So there's also brands that are kind of controversial and the one I want to talk about is the brand Justin's. You've probably seen them before, they're pretty popular. They make some like dark chocolate like peanut butter cup things um, and yeah kind of like become pretty popular recently. And I used to love them for the individual packets for lunch until I learned about their ingredients. They do tend to keep the ingredients list short, which I think appeals to people, but they use palm oil. Palm oil is a huge driver of deforestation, destroying habitats of endangered species. I don't know about you, but I don't really want to help contribute to that. 
in any way so if i can cut out palm oil i will so now moving on to the worst nut butters for you again these are your typical brands like jif skippy and peter pan my issue with these brands is that they use fully hydrogenated vegetable oil not only does this get rid of the natural oil separation but they just aren't that good for you you can compare fully hydrogenated vegetable oil to crisco so in theory, when you're eating these peanut butters, you're taking a bite of peanuts, a bite of salt, and a bite of Crisco. That's kind of disgusting, right? So now let's move back to when I was talking about protein and granola bars. I literally used to live off these things until I realized they aren't actually that good for me and I tried to cut them out as much as possible. Now I'm trying to only eat the most unprocessed and natural ones. Starting off with the best bars, Lara bars. Like I said before, they have very few ingredients and are vegan but sadly don't have much protein. Similar to Lara bars, we have RX bars. These are packed with protein and typically have around six ingredients. They're made from egg whites, dates, nuts, and usually chocolate, so a great option if you aren't vegan. And lastly, the Perfect Bar. I do have to say these are quite high in the added sugars category, which doesn't make me too happy, but they're sweetened with honey, not chemicals, so that's a plus. They have anywhere from 10 to 17 grams of protein, which is crazy high compared to Lara bars that come in with like two or three. And they also have 20 plus superfoods, which is super good, and they're also a refrigerated bar, which means no added preservatives. Woohoo! They're also quite high in calories, partly because of the protein, but they're definitely closer to a meal replacement option. They also kind of taste like dessert to me, so they're a great high protein dessert option, and honestly, compared to other dessert options, pretty low calorie. Moving on to the worst bars, Cliff Bars and Luna Bars. These are made from the same company and while so super yummy because of all the sugar, they're just, like I said, way too much added sugar and not so natural forms. Luna bars especially strike me as a candy bar more than an energy bar. Like they have like the lemon zest one literally tastes like candy, like so good. And I assume you've figured out by now your typical granola bar isn't too great for you either. Bars like Chewy, Sunbelt Bakery, and Nature Valley just don't offer any real nutritional value. So that's pretty much all I have to say for this podcast and I want to end it by saying that anything homemade trumps store-bought every single time. In my opinion, again I'm not a registered dietitian so like take my word with a grain of salt, um, but I have done enough research so I feel like my opinions are like kind of valid. I don't really know. But yeah, it's so much better for you to make your own waffles, cookies, and soup than it is to buy it frozen, canned, or ready to bake. But even better than that, just eating whole foods that don't come with nutrition labels are really what's best for us in the long run. So my top tip for you guys is to try to shop the perimeter of your grocery store to avoid highly processed foods. Although things like nut butters, canned legumes, and pastas might be down aisles depending on your store layout, but the general rule of thumb is to stick around the perimeter and that'll keep you eating the healthiest. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Thriving in Chaos. I hope this episode was on the longer side. I realize that most of my podcasts are, rain, are like 15 minutes and under, which is kind of really short. Um, so yeah, but also talking this much really kills my voice. Um, my throat hurts a lot now, so I'm going to go drink a cup of tea while I edit this, and I will talk to you guys all in the next episode. And again, thanks for tuning in and goodbye.